We hope you enjoyed this message from Church on the Lake by Pastor Mike Cooper. Amen. All right. I, I am so excited about the new series, Supernatural. Today's message is called History Makers. I'm looking at a bunch of them right now. Hello, history makers. In nine, excuse me, not 19. In 1577, Sir Francis Drake wrote, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true, because we dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when the abundance of things we possess, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in all of our efforts to build a new earth, we've allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And... Part of this is some of my favorite part of the Bible, and some of it is, is warfare, and some of it will be new to you, but some of it will be very familiar to you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. Does that kind of sound like the service this morning? I think we heard that a few times. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. And I've always thought of the altar, and, and maybe this will change your perspective, because a lot of people like to glorify the altar. The altar is a garbage dump. Where you bring all of your junk, and it gets burned up. It's not about, like, the golden altar. This isn't the golden altar. This is the place we bring our junk. You all with me? And then we leave them there. We leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Don't you love that? You know it in your brain like this. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. But you just heard it a new way. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. Leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, ooh, we do have an enemy. 
because your enemy, the devil, it's described there, he's, he's identified, your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. In our neighborhood, it's barking dogs. I am now a man that carries a big stick. I'm walking tall and carrying a big stick. The dogs come with ferocious bark, and I think if they really wanted to get us, they'd shut their mouth and just come get us. They warn us, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then we go, get back! And they stop. And especially when I take my big stick. And I might pound it on the concrete a little bit. Do you see something there? The devil, as a roaring lion, seeks whom he may devour. So he's coming, and he's making a whole lot of noise. And you know he's there. So tell him to stop. The Bible says in another place, resist and he'll flee from you. So after we met our neighbors the other day, there's a dog that barks at us between our house and their house. On our way back, he never barked at us. Okay, back to the... Take a, device, a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Everything you heard today can be something that you can build into your faith that God can help you to stand against that devil. Rehearse the word of the Lord. What you heard out of the word of God, what you're hearing right now, Speak that word and silence the enemy in your life. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. So not only in this room are we all experiencing the same kind of troubles, but our brothers and sisters all around the world are experiencing the same troubles. And never have we known this more than we know right now as we've walked through two years of this pandemic. Pastors that I know that are in India, Africa, Indonesia, Japan, China are experiencing the same difficulties that we're experiencing here in Livingston, Texas. And then, after your brief suffering, let's bring back Joseph in our minds just for a moment. I know it would seem like a long time, but it's really short in comparison to eternity. Our brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. This sounds like the service. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. 
and then there's an amen. Now, this is my words to you that I, after I had lived in this for a while as I was preparing my heart, this is what I wrote. God is looking for those who will get disturbed enough to become history makers. Those who get disturbed will only be satisfied with the supernatural. They will not fall into the hands of the lethal enemy of complacency. Whew, that, that word came out of nowhere. Strike! What happens to the church? God moves, people get complacent. What happened to America? We elected someone in 2016, and the church went to sleep. Oh, we rejoiced. We rejoiced as, as abortion laws begin to disappear. We rejoiced because somebody was standing up for us in the White House. Oh, we rejoiced. We wore the bumper stickers. We had the, hell, the, the, the hats. We fell flat asleep. Now, <laughs> we're in a midterm election. And in case you didn't notice, this week, your gas prices are at $3.15. Now, I noticed this morning, Walmart had it back to $3.09. It's projected that gas prices will soar to $7 a gallon. I figure that's probably California, so we can prepare for five. What happened? The people that were so excited in 2016 got slumberly and went to sleep. And now, I'm hearing, Liz told me that Fauci said, and you might say, Pastor, this is church, you shouldn't be talking... I'm not talking about politics. I'm just telling you what I read or what I heard. Fauci says, oh, COVID will be gone in six or seven months. Why? Why? Is that around election time? I'm not stupid. But why not put the church back to sleep? Because if they're asleep, then, then everything can happen. Now, I'm using politic and I'm using current terminology to say, church, we cannot afford to be complacent. Amen? Billy told me that the queen tested positive uh, for COVID and we need her leadership in the world. Britain has lifted all of their... COVID stuff. Complacency. Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Let's get into the early apostles, the early church, and let's look at something. Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. 
But during the night, the Lord sent an angel who appeared before them. He supernaturally opened their prison doors and brought the apostles outside. Go, the angel told them. Stand in the temple courts and preach the words that bring life. All of the disciples had been put in prison. And the church started praying. And an angel shows up and delivers them. We'll talk more about angels next week and the message next week. But I just want you to see that this was a supernatural deliverance and that God used angels to bring the deliverance. Angels being used in everyday life in the church of the living God. There are almost as many mentions in the New Testament of angels as there is of God and the Holy Spirit. So we cannot lose sight of it. We never worship angels. We do not exalt them above the place they're to be. But they're here with us and they're meant to be messengers of good and messengers of fire to us. So a supernatural thing happened. Now, go to Acts 12, verses 1 and 2. And I just want you to make sure you saw that it said in that last verse, he supernaturally opened their prison doors. This, this entire series is about God doing the supernatural. Acts 12, verses 1 and 2. Remember, prayer was happening all of the apostles are delivered from prison by the angels. Seven, seven chapters later, after you untie your shoe but yourself, by stepping on your shoestring, during that period while you're tying your shoes, King Herod incited persecution against the church. All right. He saw something. He saw something. When they arrested the disciples, the people loved it. Oh, mob. Oh, yes, this is exciting. So Herod thought, well, I'll do this too. Causing great harm to the believers. But I want you to hear this. He even had the apostle Jacob, you know as James, John's brother, beheaded. Complacency is one of the most dangerous enemies of the church because it's so easy to fall into. We take his faithfulness for granted and in good times confuse presumption for faith. It saps our energy. It dulls our attitudes. It causes a drain on our brain. We get satisfied with things as they are. We reject the things as they might be. We ain't doing nothing new around here. We just like it the way it is. Us three and no more. Good enough is the enemy of victory. And it's the ally of defeat. Just like the great marketplace book, good is the enemy of great. What about 
the unknown. I don't trust. What if somebody unfriends me? We don't need anything new around here. We become like water looking for the easiest course downhill. I've got lots of that on my property where it comes off the roof and it hits my property. It just finds all the topsoil and just takes it right down the hill. I got some work to do. There is a false sense of security from looking back at the good old days. Strike two. What do we do? We romanticize the good old days. I tell lots of stories from our past because I believe there were God moments in our past that were so amazing. But can I tell you something? I don't ever want to go back to 1980. I don't ever want to go back to 1990. I don't ever want to go back to Y2K. I don't want to go back to 2005 or 2010 or 2016 or even 2017, 18, 19, 20, or 21. It's time to live 22. Amen? Don't romanticize like it was a little house on the prairie. Would you really want to live during the time of Little House on the Prairie? Think about how easy it was this morning to have bacon and eggs. <laughs> you didn't have to go kill a pig. You didn't have to go get the eggs out of the chicken, out, you know, out of the nest of the chicken. <laughs> Give me that egg! You went to H-E-B, Walmart, or Brookshire Brothers, and you got you a 12 dozen egg pack, and you took it home with a slab of bacon in a package, and in five minutes, you had bacon and eggs. What about that piece of toast that you had with it? You didn't have to wait for the wheat harvest to come. You didn't have to grind the mill and then make bread that would have been good for you instead of the stuff we serve, right? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Progress and change has changed our world, and we can't have what we had 20, 30, 40, 60 years ago. We got to live today. And today, God is moving at Church on the Lake, and we've got to step in and say, God, help me to swim, help me to live, help me to grow, help me to develop. Hallelujah. The effects of what I'm talking about with complacency are the same on you as they are on your family, the church, the business, and the nations. If a business doesn't change with the times, they go bankrupt. To be a history maker and to see supernatural, we need utter dependence. I like that word, and that's why I used it. Because I could kind of stutter and still sound like I said the right word, utter Utter dependence. We've been reading a book called Poldark. Many of you have seen the PBS show Poldark. I highly recommend it. 
And we're reading the, the, the series of that, Liz and I are. And much of the writing, uh, they use the, the English dialect and, and sometimes some French. And, and, and it's just fun to try to get the words right. And then Liz will look it up on Google and we totally bless it, mess it up. And anyway, utter dependence. I'm utterly depending that even though I go over time today, you're going to stick with me for a few minutes. Because I promise not to go too long over time. I'm already at point two. I could really pick up the speed here. The first time I preached, I was a teenager. I had about five books that I had purchased as a new believer I still have all of those books on my li- in my library. And I felt like I had to read all five of them before I could start putting the message together. I got up in front of our youth group and I remember what felt like my knees knocking. Sweat rolling. The utter dry mouth like utter dependence the first time Liz and I went to the streets to minister and I've shared this with you that we went we had loaded up our car with all the supplies we went back into our house after we had been sitting in the car for a few minutes and we read the first eight chapters of the book of Acts we sang several choruses Then we got back in the car. Because we knew we couldn't go do this for God unless we were completely dependent on him. There's something about being utterly dependent on him. Amos chapter 6 verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says this. Woe. Judgment is coming. To who? To those who are at ease and carefree in Zion, Judah, America, Livingston. And to those on the mountain of Samaria who feel secure. The distinguished men of the foremost of nations to whom the house of Israel comes. 1 Peter 5.8 told us what to do. Be well balanced. And always alert, because your enemy the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a divisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. This is why biblical meditation and waiting on God is so important. Liz and I have had what feels like a new fire put in our belly for a supernatural move of God and for his call for us to be history makers. I wouldn't call you to be a history maker if I wasn't willing to be a history maker. I'm not asking you to go do something that we wouldn't be willing to do. I'm asking you to join me as we make history in Livingston, Texas. Amen? So let's talk about history makers for a moment. I I used to pastor in a small town just outside of Redding, California. It was just seven miles from Bethel Church. In fact, 
technically we were on the same road. And I used to go to lunch with a guy named Chris Ballatin. Maybe you've heard his name. Maybe you've read his books. Maybe you listened to his podcasts. I used to go to lunch with him. And we used to talk about stuff like, what would it look like to transform Reading? This was in the years of 2000 to 2005. And Chris would talk about their days in Weaverville. Weaverville, if you've never been in that part of California, is smaller than Livingston. Weaverville would be like Groverton. Groveton. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's off the main road. It's out away. In fact, just from Reading, it's only about 30 miles, but the road is like this. And in that place of Weaverville, it said, according to their records, that over 100 leaders rose up in that church to change the world. In Weaverville, in Groveton, in Livingston. I mean, think about it. It's a nowhere place. It's a nobody place. But Chris would talk about those days, and then he would say, we want to see it happen in Reading. Because what basically what happened is their pastor moved to Reading from Weaverville. Their his grand, their, the, the father of the pastor had pastored for many years. Now the son was returning home. And many of the folks of those hundred returned or came to Reading. And now it is said that thousands of leaders have been sent out across the world out of this church in Reading, and Reading only has 100,000 people. In fact, it actually never has reached 100,000. It's more like 90,000. They just never have grown as a city. But you can go to Reading today, and I'll tell you this as a testimony of a local pastor who pastored in that community, regardless of what you think of Bethel Church, and I have my own opinions, but you can go to Walmart and you will see a Bethel person in there and they'll be praying for people. You can go to Starbucks and there'll be Starbucks people in there praying. Bethel people in Starbucks praying. You can go to the pizza parlor. What was that place called? Anyway, big, they had big pizzas, man. Luigi's, was it Luigi's? Mary's Pizza Shack. You can go to Mary's Pizza Shack and you will find people from Bethel praying for people. And they're not praying for brother and sister so-and-so. I want you to hear this. It goes of this, what I said a few minutes ago. Your gifts are meant to take outside of this building. So Chris would talk of a day where Reading would be transformed and that people would come into the community and they would say, this is a town that's of God. This is a city built by God. Do you know that Reading has poured millions of dollars into the city of Reading? Hear what I just said? They have given gifts of millions of dollars to the city of Reading 
to buy equipment to bring policemen on to develop the police force. This has all come from the church. They have people running for office. They are believing God to transform the community where they live. Now, I've always felt like that's what the church was supposed to do. Since I was a teenager, I thought that's what's supposed to happen. I've been so disappointed over the years when I've went to communities where I knew a great big ministry was. I'm in the wind-up. Men on first, second, and third. In the glory days of Family Worship Center in Baton Rouge, Liz and I would travel down to, to go to a service. And I thought, surely, with a church like that, this would be a holy city. Liz and I traveled to Colorado Springs and we were guests at, at um, Focus on the Family. The kind of guests that they put your name on a placard when you arrive. Welcome to Focus on the Family. And I thought, it's such a beautiful city. This must be a holy city. There's so many good ministries in Colorado Springs. See, for years, the church has been in the building. And we haven't been out being history makers. Strike three! Woo! That felt like a Nolan Ryan fastball right there. So this is what Chris, that I used to go to lunch with, said about changing history. Every so often, in the course of history, there are individuals born to defy common reason and statistical explanation. They are the great ones who break the tether of their generational expectations and rise to the high call that seems to echo from somewhere beyond the grave. Hillsong wrote a song several years ago that just kept speaking to me as I prepared. Is it true today that when people pray, cloudless skies will break, kings and queens will shake? Yes, it's true, and I believe it. Is it true today that when people pray, we'll see dead men Rise, and the blind set free. Yes, it's true. And I believe it. I just got a report from one of my pastors who pastors in, on Wallaceville Road. They've had two men rise from the dead this year. Yes, it's true. And I believe it. I'm living for you. I'm living for you. I'm going to be a history maker in this land. I'm going to be a speaker of truth 
to all mankind. I'm going to stand. I'm going to run into your arms, into your arms. Yes, it's true, and I believe it. I'm living for you. I'm living for you. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11:33, and just so you know, I'm just about done, and I'll be finished in about three minutes. Through faith's power, Hebrews 11:33. This is you. You're Hebrews 11:33. You ready? Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms. That's you. And established true justice. Their faith fastened on to their promises and pulled them into reality. That's Hebrews 11.1 1, about faith. What is faith? Go to Hebrews 11.1 1 and you can see it. It pulled them, it fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions, put out the power of a raging fire, and caused many to escape certain death by the sword. Although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. We are called to pray unceasingly, to give sacrificially, to dream unreasonably, to serve wholeheartedly, to love unashamedly, to walk innocently, to believe undoubtedly, and to live powerfully. Acts 17, and I'll close. Verse 6. Acts 5 showed all of the disciples released from prison. Acts 12 showed James the Apostle beheaded. Acts 17. Verse 6. When they couldn't find them, they took Jason instead along with some of the brothers in his house and dragged them before the city council. Along the way they screamed out, those troublemakers from Church on the Lake, they've turned the world upside down and they've come here to our city. I know it didn't say Church on the Lake there. It was a misreading. Those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. What can your life do to change history? Could you be a part of the supernatural move of God in Livingston, Texas, in the Lake community that comprises four counties and is a gateway to the third largest city in America? Could you be a history maker in a small town? Yes. It's true, and I believe it. Yes, it's true about you, and I believe it. I think God showed us today that he believes it by speaking over us to prepare us, to prepare our hearts as royalty in this day. All right, I've already went 12 minutes over and my feet aren't even tired yet. Tom said, keep eating what you're eating for breakfast. 
And I told him, you don't want to know what I'm eating for breakfast, but I'll keep doing it. I am speaking this into you today. All of y'all. That's East Texas for all y'all. Did you catch it? Joseph waited for his dream. A son of Abraham, a grandson, great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph. The Bible says that from Adam to Abraham, there were 14 generations. From Abraham to David, there were 14 generations. From David to Jesus, there were 14 generations. But you have to look real close because Matthew only gives 13. Guess what? Y'all are the 14. Y'all are the 14. For as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. (laughs) On the day that he breathed into the church and said, receive the Holy Spirit, the 14th generation was born and it continues to be born every time somebody says, I receive Jesus as my Savior. You are the 14th generation. Just made the number 14 really powerful. If it wasn't already, two sevens, God's number Oh, thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we sit here in a lineage. All of us, brothers and sisters. How did we become that? Because we're the 14th. You don't have any grandchildren. We're sons and we're daughters. If you don't catch this, check your pulse. You're dead. I'm telling you right now, you're in line for the crown. (laughs) You are the true sons of Abraham. You are in the lineage of King David. But most of all, you're in the lineage of the Son of God. That was enough. That was good enough to go overtime. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for listening today. May you, as a son or daughter of the Father, know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of His family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.